can't talk about this with you. Hey, you have to help me catch him. The dog thing alone isn't enough. My buddy says this computer abuse and fraud act is tough to prosecute. You need a, a lot of evidence. This kid is good, Krista. He was routing through something called proxies or something out in Estonia. He's untraceable. Short of that whole country falling apart, we're never going to get our hands on any real evidence. Just what exactly do you think I can do? Maybe he said something. You know, in your sessions. Oh, come on. Don't give me that privileged information bullshit. This guy's committing a crime, a serious one. He deserves to go to jail. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of Hello, Friend, a podcast all about Mr. Robot. Henry is here again this week, and my name is Margaret. We're here to talk about Zero Day, the season finale for the premiere season, written and directed by the show creator Sam Esmael. Two things I noticed off the bat about Zero Day and this whole series is number one, free the puppies, and number two, Mr. Robot really seems to have it out for Estonia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> those are those are the two great uh realizations that you've had at the end of season one is it <laughs> among many henry this episode started off with krista elliott's therapist meeting her ex michael aka lenny and he's trying to get her to testify against elliott that was a pretty crazy encounter i thought yeah i, th- I thought it was a crazy encounter and also kind of feeds into my is it really a dream or did it actually happen? Uh, fantasy, because I mean, how it, it, it like where they were meeting, it seemed like life was normal, right? Like if the financial system is just like gone completely uh, haywire, would would restaurants be working like that? Like, it, I don't know. Um, but regardless, like assuming that that scene is real, I want I, I think that that might be a setup for some plot lines in season two where Elliot's being hunted by the government as well. Yeah, and I thought there was a lot of really cool insight packed into this scene. So on on the surface, Michael, a.k.a. Lenny, wants to get Krista to admit that she knows about Elliot's hacking activities. To get Krista to meet him, he tells her he has an incurable disease. And then it turns out he was hacked. So like trying to think of something in his mind that's equivalent to what's happened to him being hacked, he had to make up an incurable disease. And in a lot of ways, hacking is kind of like a virulent affliction. True. Um, I, I think also for me, what I took away from that was that that guy is really kind of a scumbag. Like he doesn't really have a, a moral sense to me because... For someone to be that emotionally manipulative, where he says to her, well, I couldn't get you to meet with me if I didn't tell you that. I mean, he really is the same. Like, he doesn't care about anyone else but himself and his own needs, and he's willing to do whatever 
he needs to do to get people to do what he wants. Oh, oh I, I know. It, it was really gross the way he was thought he could bullshit her. I thought it was interesting talking about stuff like the internet of things and privacy and surveillance, that the way he was able to track down who Elliot was was because his dog was microchipped. Yeah, and that stupid dog, he kept bringing that up in the conversation. He took my dog. He's sick. He took my dog. And it's like, well, you did a lot of sick things too. You told this person that you cheated on, that you had an incurable disease so that you, he, she'd meet with you. Like, pretty sick as well. But he kept focusing on Elliot and the dog. That was pretty interesting to me. He kept saying to her, I'm not the enemy here. This guy is. <laughs> and, and so uh, a little... Uh, homage to moral relativism right off the bat. Yeah. And he does mention, Lenny does mention to Krista that he's pursuing going after Elliot through the Computer Abuse and Fraud Act. And he mentions that's a very tough act to prosecute. And we both know working in the computer industry that cyberbullying and online bullying, it's come up a lot in news recently. And it is something that Law enforcement officials and the FBI, they don't really seem to know how to approach it. Yeah, and I think you can read these stories about swatting and the growth of swatting and how difficult it is uh, for law enforcement to actually stop it and the reluctance they have to even investigate and prosecute it. And it kind of brings even like other sorts of computer crimes to mind where it's hard for people to take them as seriously because it seems made up. You know, like, I think there's still this idea that because it happens on a screen, that it's not really happening in real life, but that increasingly more and more what happens on that screen is driving our life, is affecting our reality, um, far from being some imaginary thing that's sandboxed into that piece of plastic. A really excellent point. And I really appreciate the show for peppering the story with the, these bits of information. And then we find out that part of the reason that it's hard to pin down Elliot is he's routing through proxies in Estonia. Darn it. <laughs> yes. A routing through proxies in Estonia. I thought I was actually a little bit disappointed when I heard that he was routing through proxies in Estonia. I was expecting something a little bit more Torish, dark web VPNs, as well as proxies. Just to hear proxies was a bit of a letdown. One thing I think our <laughs> listeners may or may not know about is how huge a role that the country of Estonia plays in the tech industry. It's developed quite a reputation for fostering startups and innovation. And Estonia was, I think, the first country that allows you to have citizenship, even if you don't live there. Oh, I didn't know that. That's Interesting. They have digital citizenship. And after that, we cut to all types of anarchy to the song World Destruction or Time Zone by Africa Bambata and John Lydon. Another winner soundtrack sound I was totally surprised to hear. I really like the music in these episodes. So we get the sense there's a large scale crisis all over Eastern Europe and Estonia is one of the countries that's gone down. Which, I mean, if they were really that smart, would they have gone down? <laughs> you have to wonder yeah or, or are they just faking it <laughs> those estonian fakers you never know you never know but then we see elliot wake up in tyrell's car totally confused totally separated from his newfound pal tyrell 
cash is the only thing that really matters. I have to wonder why. What does cash really mean? Yeah, I mean, that seems so... I guess when left with nothing, cash is the next best alternative. But yeah, it's <laughs> it seems kind of funny that like if that were to actually happen, the default would be, well, we just accept cash now. <laughs> That's all that really happens. Credit cards don't work. That just seems kind of funny to me. I know. And then, of course, there were very symbolic lines, like the parking attendant says to Elliot, how long have you been asleep? And which makes me like the made up or not really happening as it's being portrayed theory for this episode. You know, even Elliot says, I don't even trust you. <laughs> exactly. I don't trust him. Angela's on a train, totally stressing out. There may or may not be men in black or people around her. Now I'm just constantly looking for them. But at, back at F Society headquarters, it's interesting. They're destroying hard drives. Yeah. And so are they anticipating prosecution? Are they just covering their tracks? It's interesting to think about what's going on in this episode in terms of what, what's being set up for the next season. And we see protests all across the city. The next scene where Gideon is talking to his part-time CFO about rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, the 401ks are going to be Jack. Best thing you can do for them is to let them know soon so they can find other jobs. And... What? All their 401ks were tied up in the market, which is expected to plummet once the bell rings. Well, that's only rumors at this point. What? Seems to be a little more than rumors. Every bank is essentially affected. I know I couldn't use any of my credit cards over the weekend. Could you? Well, I don't know. There might be a silver lining to all this. If what they're saying about these F Society hackers is actually true, you'll now have no debt. This is the scene where I was like, okay, Gideon, I've given you one chance too many. If everything's starting from zero and everything's at zero day and all of the debt that he has ever had has been wiped out, why does he need to shut down the company? Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, you don't have any corporate debt. You don't have any debt service. What exactly is your issue? Yeah. Am I reading too much into it? Because I was just like, all right, Gideon. No. I think I think that's a very legitimate point. Like, why why would they be having financial trouble and need to shut down when the hack was successful and everything's set to zero? You're right. That's an inconsistent point. And then we saw Elliot just on this frantic search for Tyrell, and he actually goes to, I guess, Evil Corp looking for him. And that's where he really finds out that the jig is up. F Society has enacted the plan and supposedly they've been freed. And so, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, do you think that they've actually been freed? No, I mean, I think I could definitely see that. It, I have a lot of theories about it. I, I could see it being really the case. I could see it being a dream sequence. I could see it being a little bit of both. Like some of it is really happening, but some of it is being conjured up in Elliot's head. I know that when this finale aired, they had to delay it by a week because when we got to the, the scenes where James Plouffe, the evil core SVP of tech, where he 
made that spectacular suicide on TV. There was an, a real world act of violence last year and they had to postpone the airing of this episode. Yeah, I remember something about that. Life mirroring fiction or the other way around. Something like that. Based on what's going on in this episode, do you have any predictions for season two? We know that the first two, the first episode, which will actually be two episodes, will be called Unmasked. What, what exactly is going to be happening, do you think? Well, I try not to read too many spoilers about the upcoming season. They say it's going to take a darker turn, which I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't exactly roses and hummingbirds uh, this season. I have two New York-related Mr. Robot stories to tell. I might as well just insert them here now. I was in New York a couple weeks ago, and... The train I had to take back and forth to the office was the F train, the train that Elliot takes. <laughs> I even photographed myself sitting sitting in the thing trying to look like Elliot with my hoodie. <laughs> oh, really? I used to take the F train to work all the time. I When I worked on Wall Street uh, from the East Village, the F train was my train. That's right. That's right. Did you see any men in black? Lots. Yeah. They all went into they all went into the banks. <laughs> totally. That's what I think is so funny about the men in black meme because so many men and women in New York are wearing black. It's kind of hard to tell who the who the scary nefarious ones are versus just people who dress in office wear. <laughs> They're all nefarious, Margaret. It's a city built on nefarious people. <laughs> I know. And then the second story is, is I kept telling a friend of mine, you have to watch Mr. Robot. And he was, for months I've been telling him. And we had to have a meeting. We met in this cafe before this meeting. And then he called me later. He was like, I watched the first episode of Mr. Robot. And it opened in that cafe where we met before the meeting. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. The real world cafe is called Joe, the Art of Coffee in, I think, like near 6th and West 16th Street or something like that. One of the best scenes I found in this episode was Terrell's wife, Joanna, interacting with Elliot. That was so creepy. What did you say your name was? Molly. What were you working on with my husband? You've got to help me get out of this. There's something about her. I feel like she can hear us. One of my advice? You know about the hack that's going on right now? When was the last time you saw him? She's lying to me. He isn't coming. She's fishing for something. They're both creepy. So yeah, high creep factor. I wonder if we're going to see more of those interactions in season two. I think Joanna's a handler is what I think of some type. Mm, that makes sense. Like someone who's good with uh, psychopathic or pathological operatives. Yeah, I do. I think something she knows so much, or maybe she's just an imaginary character. Who knows? What did you think about Angela? What's her deal with Evil Corp? Is she trying to climb the corporate ladder or is she trying to bring them down from the inside or both? I think she's still dedicated to their downfall. I don't think that anything that's happened would have shaken her desire to right the wrong that she feels like they've done to her and her family. Uh, your theory that this could all be a dream was definitely supported in the Times Square scenes where Elliot basically is in the midst of all these pro F society protests and then wills everybody to just go away. Yeah. 
Exactly. Like that's one of the things that kind of made me think, well, okay, then what exactly is what actually is happening in this episode? Like, is it all just a series of like hallucinations and other fantasies that Elliot's having at this moment? Like, what do we really know here? Totally. And I think it's interesting the way uh, Darlene throughout this whole series has been very pure of heart and pure of intention and maybe ideological to a, a fault, but she's, she's kind of like an angel of kind of chaos and she seems serene and at peace with it. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, this moment of tranquility for her be, just be, because of the fact that everything's going to hell for everyone else. It's like a reversal of roles. Like for her relationship with society, she, her life was always turbulent while it seemed like the rest of the world just was kind of blithely going about its business. Now that the rest of the world is falling apart, she feels at peace. Yeah, it's really interesting. You're right. The more things have been unraveling, the more together she has seemed. What do you think Evil Core's true interest is in Angela? Because it just can't be that she's a plucky ingenue um, with a lot of talent. I mean, she is really smart, but it seems a little too nefarious. Yeah, I think it might be one of those situations where perhaps they do know that she has a relationship with Elliot, who might be the source of all their trouble. And they're using her position at Evil Corp to keep a close eye on her and basically have a hostage in-house. Yeah, it seems like it's definitely tied to Elliot on some in some way. And I was so happy that the head of Evil Corp admitted for us, the viewer, and to her that he's not sweating it. You know, whatever's going on, humans create it because that's what I would think would happen is the people who are the 1% of the 1%, they, they would manage to survive the storm. Well, yeah, and make no mistake, the 1% of the 1% are hoarding gold and other natural materials. Like a hack is not going to destroy their wealth. So did you like the hidden scene that after, after the credits rolled? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, it, it sets the stage nicely for season two, right? Because all of a sudden we see White Rose dressed like a man talking to Philip Price, CEO of Evil Corp, who he had just basically collaborated with, with Elliot to bring down. And so here they are you know, in this really posh party listening to someone playing the harp and as a reference was made like Nero watching while Rome burned, they're having a very civilized conversation. And so it basically makes us realize as the viewer, I think that there's a lot going on here that we don't even know about despite all that was what was revealed. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool ending and it definitely had uh, undertones of Bohemian Grove, which isn't too far from here uh, in the Bay Area. But in general, the idea of the, the puppets and the puppet masters, not to be too uh, cliche, but I, I thought that was an interesting twist. And I have all sorts of theories about what's going on, but it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds for season two. And that last teaser, I mean, okay, so let's talk about White Rose dressed as a man. Like, what's going on with that? Like, when he meets with Elliot, he's dressed as a woman. 
and now he's with Philip Price. He's dressed as a man. Like that's no small thing. Like, does he spend half his time dressed as a woman and half his time dressed as a man? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I I think it really speaks to uh, the fluid nature of um, a lot of these groups and identities and how you move in different circles. I mean, I don't have the answer to that. I, I thought it was. I thought a lot of viewers might not have even noticed that was White Rose um, out the gate and. And, and what does that mean? It's it's fascinating. And the whole Dark Army as a hacker group, I find fascinating because their motivations are so different from Elliot's. And what about if the Dark Army is some sort of group that's a, or affiliated with some faction with an evil corp? Like maybe what we're going to see a lot more of in season two is the idea that evil corp is not a monolithic entity, but there's actually other players and other factions involved that overlap uh, Evil Corp or maybe even transcend Evil Corp. There are just so many directions this can go because there are other shows that are on television right now. Like there's Colony, which is all about Los Angeles after an alien invasion in the United States. There's The Matrix. I mean, all of these stories deal with the same issues in different ways, loss of freedom and, and loss of control and surveillance and enslavement. Your guess is as good as mine as to what the, these last two episodes of this season meant. Well, I hope that we see Fernando Vera back in uh, season two. I think it would be interesting to see him make a reappearance and kind of further explore that grittier side of Elliot's reality because in these last couple episodes we move away from his drug use right like his drug use was a very and his addiction and then his recovery like it was a very strong arc in the first season but seems almost absent from nine and ten I agree I liked the beginning of the season a lot more than I liked the end of the season especially after I was positive that Mr. Robot at least at this point isn't quote real end quote I mean, I have to admit, I was expecting it, but it kind of bummed me out a little bit. Yeah, just because that's been such a common, I guess, twist, right? Like with Fight Club or with Sixth Sense. I think we could probably, you know, could spend five minutes and talk about the other shows that have gone this route. But it did seem a little bit like, oh, okay. Like it, it, it seemed like in that, like there was this kind of tension through the first part of season one where we weren't quite sure what was going on. And there seemed a lot of mysteries at play and to have it explained by, Oh, well, he's a figment of Elliot's imagination. It just seemed a little bit disappointing of a solution. If that makes any sense. Oh, I totally hear you. I you in my heart of hearts. I still keep hoping the tiniest of hopes that, that he's actually a real person and that some of this was because Elliot was in some kind of like coma or dream state or, or what have you. I mean, we just don't know. And, and really that the, one of the last scenes of the show where um, Elliot is reunited with his whole family, even his younger self and they're projected on the screen in times square. I mean, I mean, that seems like that could be a virtual reality program. Yeah, really. So basically, you kind of want to unwind the twist, right? You want to like Brexit the the reveal. <laughs> I really do. I want Christian Slater's character to not be a ghost because he's such a great character. Like no one can rant like Christian Slater. <laughs> I wish, like, when he starts railing about the modern system and the state that we are in a society, it's 
I, I don't think of any other actor that can do it with such great conviction. Like it, it's, it's really great to have him in that role. He goes on about a world built on fantasy, brainwashing seminars in the form of social media. Christian Slater can really deliver it and he delivers it in a believable way. I just, ah, anyway, I love this show. I really appreciate that you are spending time talking about Mr. Robot with me, Henry. And I want to thank all the listeners who've been writing and contributing to our Facebook page at Hello Friend Podcast. Do you have any last thoughts or predictions as we head into season two, Mr. Robot, Henry? No, I mean, I'm just really excited to see where where things are going to go um, and what uh, characters can be revealed as imaginary. Uh, I'm curious to see how they handle Christian Slater's character, like we discussed, because I think it's going to be important, at least for my future enjoyment, how well they handle that. Because if they handle it in kind of a lame way, it's not going to be nearly as much fun of a show. I am curious how they're going to handle it. I'm glad that he's going to be back for this season. And I really just can't wait to see what happens to Tyrell and Joanna because they're just like the weird couple. They're the weird couple you do not want to be at a dinner party with. Yeah, because they might decide to eat your liver or something like this, right? (laughs) With fava beans. (laughs) Well, I love that one scene where Joanna was munching on a corn dog or something. It was so weird. (laughs) They're so weird. And they... You know, I've seen all these different things about which language they're speaking to each other, and it seems like sometimes they're speaking a different language than other times. It's just really weird. I'm I'm really curious to see how that rolls out. Well, even Joanna slipped into Danish to Elliot when she was interacting with him. It'll be exciting to see uh, the the season premiere, and look forward to discussing that with you and our listeners uh, when that happens. Well, thanks, Henry. I'm going to go in the other room and I'm going to boot up my Pentium and uh, insert my floppy disk and uh, open up a WordPerfect file and and press Control-C or something. Wow, that sounds like an amazingly risque (laughs) evening. All right. (laughs) All right, have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.
11 when she pulled the plug on 26 red and a bottle of wine. Bobby got leukemia, 14 years old, looked like 65 when he died. He was a friend of mine. All the people who died, who died. All the people who died, died. Georgie let the gimmicks go rotten. They died of hepatitis in upper Manhattan. Signed Vietnam, took a bullet in the head. Bobby OD'd on training on the night that he was wet. They were two more friends of mine. I miss them, they died. From a hotel room, Bobby hung himself from his cell in the tomb. Judy turned in front of his subway train, and Eddie got split in the jugular vein. Eddie, I miss you more than all the others. This song is for you, my brother. All the people who died, on your mind I know you're not without your troubles but we still haven't discussed the cold ten miles you're really bringing that up at a time like this you asked I answered succinctly well perhaps I was too hasty I'd like for the moment to take in the music besides plenty of other items on our agenda the fucking Congo can wait your troubles are weighing heavily on you. I'm not entirely sure why. I was told that you know the person responsible. Yes, yes, of course we do. We will handle that person as we usually do. You seem a little preoccupied yourself. I don't believe in preoccupation. <laughs> it's more of an observation. Which is? The infamous Emperor Nero played an instrument very similar to the one she's playing, the lyre. Legend has it that he played it merrily as he watched. As he watched? As he watched Rome burn. <laughs> 